This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. The Kinescope Initiative Episode 133. A sitcom review in chronological order. From the SFPP and Television Center, take it away, Mark. Thank you, announcer Bod, and welcome to the Kinescope Initiative, a sitcom review in chronological order. Let's continue with the sitcoms of 1986. Tough Cookies premiered on CBS on March 5, 1986 at 8.30 p.m. Former teen idol Robbie Benson plays a cop who either A, dates an older woman, Lainey Kazan, who runs a bar, or B, considers the Lainey character as a surrogate mom. Online sources vary on this, and there's no episode to watch to confirm it. Adam Arkin plays his buddy, who's also a bookie. Elizabeth Pena plays his detective partner. How is he old enough to be a detective? Art Matrano plays the boss, and Alan North plays the police chaplain. We covered Adam Arkin in episode 83 for Busting Loose, Art Matrano in episode 59 for the Chicago Teddy Bears, Alan North in episode 106 for Love, Sydney, and we'll cover Elizabeth Pena when we get to her starring series. Robbie Benson graduated high school at age 14 as valedictorian, which freed him up to begin an acting career. He appeared in Broadway's The Rothschilds while doing some guest TV spots and coming-of-age films Jory, Jeremy, and Ode to Billy Joe. By the late 70s, he was doing more adult roles. The End, Ice Castles, which he learned to skate for, Die Laughing, Harry and Son, Modern Love, and the MST'd City Limits. He also returned to Broadway in the Pirates of Penzance, where he met his wife, Carla DeVito. He moved on to voice work, The Legend of Prince Valiant, Exo Squad, House of Mouse, and the title role in Beauty and the Beast. He would return to TV in American Dreams. Behind the scenes, he directed episodes of Family Album, Evening Shade, Ellen, Friends, The Naked Truth, The Huntress. Benson suffered for years from heart ailments, resulting in multiple open-heart surgeries, and wrote book lyrics and music for an off-Broadway play, Open Heart, starring himself, based on his experiences. He's been a professor at multiple schools in their drama departments. Lainey Kazan attended high school alongside Barbara Streisand and appeared in school musicals written and directed by another classmate, Frances Ford Coppola. She made it to Broadway in The Happiest Girl in the World, Funny Girl, Understudy for Streisand, and later My Favorite Year. Her films include Lady in Cement, One from the Heart, My Favorite Year, Beaches, The Associate, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, Gili, You Don't Mess with the Zohan, and Pixels. Kazan was doing TV guest roles since the 60s, but Tough Cookies was her first regular role. She would go on to The Paper Chase, Karen Song, The Nanny, My Big Fat Greek Life, and Desperate Housewives. She became an adjunct professor at UCLA in 2012. That's a lot of talent for a series that lasted six episodes. Perhaps people didn't buy the baby-faced Benson as a tough cop, or maybe it was having Fast Times, which we talked about last time, as a lead-in. Could only find the opening theme online, which was reminiscent of Huey Lewis and the News. Mm. 
is Forgiven premiered on NBC on March 20th, 1986 at 9.30 p.m. A vehicle for Bess Armstrong, who had already co-starred in the flop On Our Own, episode 88. In the same day she got a new job as a soap opera producer, she got married to Terrence Knox. For the latter, she inherited a teenage daughter, Shawnee Smith. At work, she deals with loopy Southern writer Carol Kane and insecure director Bill Wiley, a prima donna star, Judith Marie Bergen, a young writer, David Allen Greer, a production assistant, Debbie Richter, and a receptionist who didn't do a lot of work, Valerie Landsberg. We covered Carol Kane in episode 90 for Taxi, Judith Marie Bergen in episode 119 for Domestic Life, and we'll cover David Allen Greer when we get to his better-known work. Terrence Knox worked as a substitute teacher before turning to acting. He's probably best known for his roles on St. Elsewhere and Tour of Duty. He was a regular or recurred on The Road Home, Under One Roof, Rescue 77, with dozens of guest roles, and appeared in films Used Cars, Heart Like a Wheel, Forever, and Cobra. Knox was also an amateur boxer with 56 wins and one loss. Shawnee Smith had already appeared in films Annie and Iron Eagle prior to All is Forgiven. She would go on to TV's A Brand New Life, Arsenio, The Tom Show, Becker, and Anger Management. Other films include Summer School, the 1988 Blob, Who's Harry Crumb, Leaving Las Vegas, Dogtown, Armageddon, and The Saw franchise. Bill Wiley had a long career as a character actor with a lot of TV guest roles in films, Porky's To the Next Day, That Thing You Do, Baby Geniuses, and Punching the Clown. Valerie Landsberg's father was producer Allen, which probably gave her a leg up in showbiz. Her first role was in the film Thank God It's Friday and got a regular role on the TV series Fame. You Again, episode 131, came directly after All is Forgiven, followed by First and Ten, Hotel, and Dream On. The title All is Forgiven came from the title of the soap opera within the show. It came from the people who brought you Cheers, although it didn't do as well, nine episodes and gone. The show would later appear on the nascent Ha channel, as one of the shows advertised as, if you like the name of famous show, you'll love failed show from the same producers. Ha and the Comedy Channel would quickly merge into Comedy Central. I watched an episode on YouTube. The opening theme sounds like the opening of a daytime women's show from the 80s. The writing is great, which you would expect from the producers involved. Carol Kane plays a wacky character, no big surprise. Armstrong and Greer seem to be doing a different series than the rest. It's very disconcerting to see the lead smoking. Nothing to rearrange Sometimes you just Get a feeling like you need Some kind of change Perfect Strangers premiered on ABC on March 25th, 1986 at 8.30 p.m. Another series from the Miller Milkus Boyett Wacky Factory that would wind up as part of ABC's inaugural TGIF lineup. 
Aspiring photographer Larry, Mark Lynn Baker, has finally moved out on his own in Chicago, only to get a roommate, his distant coven from Mipos, Balky Bronson Pinchot. Wackiness and physical comedy ensue as Larry tries to teach Balky about American life. They're initially employed as clerks working for Twinkie, Ernie Sabella, who conveniently is also their landlord, who has a wife, Edwina, Belita Moreno. There is a next-door neighbor, Susan, Lisa Cutter, who is phased out, replaced by girlfriends Jennifer, Melanie Wilson, Larry's girl, and Mary Ann, Rebecca Arthur, Balky's girl. A few seasons in, they get jobs at a newspaper, at first working for Harry, Eugene Roche, and later Mr. Wainwright, F.J. O'Neill. Balky works directly for Sam, Sam Anderson, and there are other co-workers, Lydia the Advice Columnist, Belita Moreno, yes, the same actress as the earlier landlord's wife, Harriet the Elevator Operator, Joe Marie Payton France, Elevator Operator, what is this, 1930, who has a husband, Carl, Reginald Vell Johnson. Harriet and Carl would go on to spin off Family Matters. We covered Ernie Sabella in episode 124 for It's Your Move, Eugene Roche in episode 62 for The Corner Bar, Sam Anderson in episode 121 for Mama Malone, and we'll cover Joe Marie Payton France and Reginald Vell Johnson when we get to their initially starring spinoff. Mark Lynn Baker's parents were both in showbiz. Mother was a dancer, father co-founded a Connecticut theatrical company. He earned a master's degree in drama from Yale and began some stage work. He developed a two-man comedy show with later main show mainstay Louis Black, then got a role in the Broadway version of comic strip Doonesbury. Baker had a role in Woody Allen's Manhattan, but he was cut out of the film. He did better in My Favorite Year, a film about early television. Guest TV roles followed, and then came Perfect Strangers. During the run, he returned to Broadway in True and followed that up with Laughter on the 23rd Floor while appearing in the film Noises Off. He would continue on the stage, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, Sideman, Relatively Speaking, You Can't Take It With You, and return to series TV in Twins, The 2009 Electric Company, Red Oaks, and Blue Bloods. Baker also got into TV directing, starting with his own show and doing more of the TGIF stuff, especially Hanging with Mr. Cooper, 36 episodes. Bronson Pinchot was valedictorian of his high school class, earning a scholarship to Yale. A college play led to his film debut in Risky Business, followed by Beverly Hills Cop, The Flamingo Kid, and After Hours. He was cast in the failed sitcom Sarah, episode 126, the failure of which made him available for Perfect Strangers, which earned him an Emmy nomination. After that, he immediately moved to The Trouble with Larry, which failed, and later, step by step, Migo, The Young and the Restless, and The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Other film work, True Romance, Courage Under Fire, and The First Wives Club. Pinchot also became a prolific audiobook narrator, winning awards for his work. Belita Moreno met director Robert Altman early in her career, getting her roles in Three Women, A Wedding, and A Perfect Couple. Other films, Mommy Dearest, Swing Shift, Oh God You Devil, Clear and Present Danger, and Gross Point Blank. She became a favorite of playwright Beth Hanley, the Miss Firecracker Contest, and Luck Spot. Post-Perfect Strangers, she was a regular or recurred on George Lopez. By the mid-90s, Moreno moved into work as an acting coach. Melanie Wilson is the daughter of Dick Wilson, a.k.a. Mr. Whipple of Charmin fame. She didn't do much work outside of Perfect Strangers. 
Rebecca Arthur appeared in films Scrooged and Get Shorty. F.J. O'Neill had previously appeared in Kennedy and Santa Barbara, as well as films Close Encounters of the Third Kind and The Hunt for Red October. Perfect Strangers was a hit for ABC, running eight seasons, although it only cracked the top 30 in its first and last seasons, each of which were only six episodes apiece. Producers Miller and Boyett actually pitched the idea in 1984 after the L.A. Olympics, which generated a great deal of patriotic fervor. Originally called the Greenhorn, all three networks passed. Then Pinchot's performance in Beverly Hills Cop with his strange foreign accent came to their attention and ABC signed up, but not before Pinchot had already signed up for Sarah. When that bombed, they quickly added Perfect Strangers to the schedule. Comedian Louis Anderson was originally cast in the Larry role, but he wasn't right for the part. Baker appeared in a Moonlighting episode, and there was immediate chemistry with Pinchot. The show was placed in the hammock position between Who's the Boss and Moonlighting on Tuesdays, with four of six episodes landing in the top ten and then moving to Wednesday in season two. The girlfriends are introduced, flight attendants that happen to live in their building, and when the boys move to a larger apartment in what is clearly a different building, the girls were still co-tenants. In season three, the show is moved to lead off the inaugural TGIF alongside Full House. In season four, Family Matters was spun off. While we'll cover that soon, I did want to note that Baker and Wilson appeared on the spinoff, but as different characters. The producers can only string along the romances for so long, and so Larry and Jennifer get married by season seven, moving to a large home, which, of course, they can't afford, so Balky and Marianne move in. By the end of that season, the other two are married, and the final season centers on their home life. Both couples have kids in the final episode. The show would move on to runs on USA Network, Nick at Night, TV Land, Ion TV, and eventually Hulu, where I watched an episode. The theme is peak Miller Milkus. Balky's accent is offensive from a 2021 perspective. Larry is incredibly patient. There's a low-rent Laurel and Hardy vibe. The whole plot line is about cereal. I knew there was a reason why I never watched this. Give me a second while I unroll my eyes. Joe Bash premiered on ABC on March 28, 1986 at 9.30 p.m. An early version of the dramedy from the people who brought you Barney Miller starring Peter Boyle as a beat cop. Joe was world-weary and cynical. He just wanted to run out his career and get his pension. His partner, Willie, Andrew Rubin, was young and by the book, which came in handy when Joe sometimes tiptoed over the line. Delane Matthews played Joe's hooker-slash-girlfriend. Peter Boyle almost went into the priesthood, studying under a teaching order, but left when he decided it wasn't his calling. He went into the U.S. Navy, but had a nervous breakdown and left the service. While working as a postal clerk in Mater D, Boyle studied under Uta Hagen, which led to stage work. He got a gig in a touring company of the Odd Couple, as Murray the Cop, but left that to join the Second City in Chicago. He made it to Broadway in Paul Sill's Story Theater. Boyle had a run in the films in the 70s, Joe, The Candidate, Steel Yard Blues, The Friends of Eddie Coyle, Taxi Driver, Fist, The Brinks Job, Beyond the Poseidon Adventure, generally playing blue-collar characters. Mel Brooks brought him in to play the title character in Young Frankenstein. 
from the rich. The 80s brought Where the Buffalo Roam, Johnny Dangerously, Turk 182, The In Crowd, Red Heat, and Joe Bash. In the 90s, he had a run on NYPD Blue and appeared in Honeymoon in Vegas, The Shadow, The Santa Claus, The Surgeon, While You Were Sleeping, Monsters Ball. He also got the role he is most associated with, Frank Barone on Everybody Loves Raymond, winning an Emmy out of 10 nominations, plus a SAG Award along with the cast. He also won an Emmy for guest starring on The X-Files. Boyle passed in 2006. Andrew Ruman was a regular or recurred on Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, Jessica Novak, and Hometown, but is probably best known as George Martin in Police Academy. We'll cover Delane Matthews for her better-known 90s sitcom. Joe Bash was hailed by critics, Time's Best of List, New York Times. There is no laugh track to signal the viewer as to whether Joe's misanthropy is really supposed to be funny. Joe Bash moves to its own special beat, apparently bent on demolishing every well-established cliche in sitcom territory. From the L.A. Times, not entertaining in the usual TV sense, but the intriguing premise and the captivating performance by Boyle nevertheless leave one interested in tuning in again. The lack of a laugh track and the generally morose plot lines and characters doom the series. The concept would be a hit on a streaming service today, hint, hint. The show lasted all of six episodes. Watch part of an episode on YouTube. The opening theme is slow jazz. The show is very dark visually. It seems very theatrical with characters going into monologues. It would have worked better as a stage play. More of 1986's sitcoms in our next episode. Announcer Bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Well, I'm filing this episode in the archive. Tune in next time.